0: two dudes one microphone absolutely zero calves welcome to team no calves radio with your hosts ollie and adam
1: hello guys ollie carson here and before we get into this podcast episode i just quickly wanted to apologize for the slight echo that you're going to hear when our special guest is talking Adam and I are really new to this whole podcast thing and we unfortunately left our microphone on uh, too close to the speaker and so we're picking up reverbs of our special guest talking. And so there is a slight echo. Hopefully you can bear with it and we'll be sure to correct this in future episodes. Cheers. Hi guys and welcome to episode four of Team No Cars Radio with your usual suspects, myself, Ollie Carson and of course Adam Boyd Brown. But today's a special episode because we have somebody on with us who is an unusual suspect. He is an up-and-coming natural bodybuilder in the British natural bodybuilding community. He's a up-and-coming coach, a young coach, and he has some fantastic social media channels where he shares some really, really brilliant um, informative information across his YouTube channel, his podcast, which is Teen Muscle Radio, and of course, Facebook and Instagram. It is AJ Morris. How you going, bud?
2: Mm, thank you very much for the intro guys. I really appreciate it and you know i've I've been following you guys for a while as well and it's super nice that you've that you've reached out and wanted to sort of have me on and I, I feel a little bit weird being here because I think I do have some decent calf development, so I'm not sure as <laughs> to so, yeah. sure so why I was the guest. Like, there, I'm there's, there's no thinking...
1: like there's no prerequisites to the kind of c- the calf girth or anything like that as to whether you can come on the show. It's just it's just us. Yeah. We have no calves, and so yeah, basically, I was I was expecting a calf measurement like to be sent across to you. <laughs> no, I think I think um, I don't know about Adam, but I've just been obsessed with um, following your prep of late, and it's just really interesting to see how you've dealt with everything so well. And I, I watch your stories regularly because they're really entertaining, really informative. Um, Thanks, and then I think there was there was just a bit of a spark, or um, you know, it kind of just occurred to me when we, we bumped into you at the Shredded by Science um, conference with Eric Helms and Zordos, and I just thought, you know, let's let's see if you'll come onto the podcast, and it's it's great to have you on. Ah oh, no awesome I mean, yeah guys i'm I'm very much looking forward to sort of covering the topics that we
2: that we have today and like you said you know for for the listeners that don't perhaps know of me i am you know i'm twenty one years old i'm a I'm a young coach i'm also like a young natural bodybuilder and and like you guys said this year, I am sort of prepping for some natural bodybuilding shows i'm actually two and a half weeks out from my first one exactly today, so I'm um, certainly in the in the latter stages, hence why I'm standing up and trying to move a little. Uh, I know that you ha- I know that you haven't got a video, but for for guys on audio, I'm standing. I'm trying to uh, burn as many calories as I possibly can and uh, just just keep going. But yeah,
0: guys, again, thank you for having me on. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Cool. So how are you feeling? This deep into your prep, obviously uh, two and a half weeks out for for most of us. I know I'd, I generally feel a little bit on the uh, running on fumes at this kind of stage. you Still feeling good. Yeah, I mean, I have my good and my, my, my bad days, to be honest, like, there's there's some
2: days I wake up and I just do not want to do anything and I've got really dragging feet and, you know, looking at my schedule, looking at whether I've got consults or looking at whether I'm, you know, I'm doing sort of, I've got content to produce and I'm like, oh, I just like, uh, the, 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 you look at your days and you sometimes think, like, how efficiently can I get through this? Mm-hmm and, and that, that's something that I actually really like about contest prep is it, it makes you into some sort of like efficiency warrior yeah. like you, you try and tackle your tasks with with as much efficiency as possible mm. because you, you simply want as much time to focus on obviously your weight training and, and, and doing the other things that uh, uh, alongside like chilling and just like doing nothing because your body wants to do nothing mm. so you try and make as much time to do that as possible but I I think at this stage comparative to to sort of last time, man, like life has been a breeze this prep comparative to my last one. Uh, so my last time I ever competed was was twenty fifteen. And in twenty fifteen I I, I I had a pretty bad year with regards to where I was at in sort of like mentality wise and also work wise. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was actually at the start of twenty fifteen I was I was literally working in a call center. I'd left Sainsbury's, which was obviously retail. Uh, I worked in a call center for a little bit of time, and I was very lost. I did, like, I did my level three qualification mm. uh, for personal training. I got a job in a local gym, and it was a gym instructor job. So it was like the level two gym instructor. And essentially what you do is you clean. You clean equipment. You do, uh, you do like intros to the gym. And I tell you what, I hated it. <laughs> I hated yeah. every minute of it. And I, I hate, uh, and that gave me such a horrible representation of the fitness industry mm. that I immediately didn't want a personal train. Mm. I didn't want to do it, and it's why you know it's why some young kids come to me and they're sort of like they, when they ask me, you know, how did you get into things and what did you do and, and 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 like this, like I I said to them like essentially before I'd even started I quit because I did I didn't want to do it. Mm. I didn't I didn't think that this was what the fitness industry was like, and. So I left that and then I, I actually just like completely took a curveball and started like this. so I started an estate agency. Oh,
1: like,
2: right. W- w- why the hell did I do that? God
1: knows.
2: <laughs> this is what happens when you have prep brain and you try and decide a <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't
1: make decisions. You
2: don't don't do it. Do not make decisions. My thing prepping. is
1: impulse buys. I just um I replace food with buying expensive shit I don't need.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Like I, I have to limit myself on what I do and it changes. I made mean, I have to be as consistent as 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 possible because otherwise I'll go off on some weird tangent and do some wacky stuff that I'll end up regretting. So mm-hmm. um, that happened, and, and then, yeah, essentially to cut to the chase, like that whole year I was just in between jobs. I was very stressed, massively stressed, massively stressed, and and you know how bad stress is when you're mm-hmm. trying to die. I think mm-hmm. you know I was I was like four or five weeks out from the first show. To a very similar time of year. I've always done the same qualifier mm-hmm. for for consistency reasons, and just because it's kind of nice if you if you do the qualifier and obviously touch wood, I, I get an invitation and I go forward to the British. If 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 that happens, it's sort of a nice gap. I think this year will be it'll give me about seven weeks, so it gives yeah. me time to diet break, gives me time to sort of recoup and then mm-hmm. attack again. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's where i was at last time i was just like super stressed i think with four weeks out my scale weight just didn't move at all for like three weeks yeah and i was um, stressing out got into peak week had a week off work had a week to chill and i dropped like five pounds yeah Yeah.
0: and i think that's Uh, the the big thing uh uh, with um especially when it comes to like peak weeks and things it's actually like trying to de-stress using that as a de-stress week because as you said stress going up at that time and you you know you're looking at scales and they're not dropping it makes it a hell of a lot worse and you're adding that stress of looking at scales Mm. on top of all the stress of competing and the stress you're putting your body under with your training and your calorie deficit and it it's kind of like a perfect storm of stress isn't it really tell me about it and i think you know i've put up a lot of posts about this
2: in the past like it should be a prerequisite before you start a prep for you to be very safe and stable in everything that you're doing Mm -hmm. and i know this is sometimes hard like not not many people get to do what we do we're essentially self-employed we own our time a little bit more than usual we can sort of train we can eat kind of when we want to not many people get to do that but as much as you can do that you should be doing it Mm -hmm. and you should be in at least a stable position with regards to whatever career choice you're doing um hopefully your relationships as well um, and your family life, your sort of where you're living, etc., and things like that should all, all be kind of stable before you start. And that's the main difference with me this year is I've got no work stress. Everything's going really, really well with work and my business. And I I I did I used my off season to almost do that yeah. to get myself in a great position and build up my business to the point where this year I haven't had to worry about it because the 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 work that I put in last year. The, lots of work built up to the point where now it's almost it's, it's like organic growth mm-hmm. so it's less it's less forced growth than i had to do last year because what's come to me is is the is the the, the sort of the pattern and the the, the receive the receival of the the work that i put in last year so and that's what I set myself up for. I mm. just put myself in a better position,
1: essentially. That's brilliant. And you, you, you talked there just briefly about um, you kind of set yourself up in the off season with that and making sure that you were in a better position to prep for future shows, and that's something that's probably massively overlooked. You know, In our off season, massively. we're looking to, to build up food, we're looking to build up our training volume. Um, but things like that, I mean, that's a really good way to, to look out the box and say, right, if I'm serious about being a bodybuilder or a physique athlete, How else can I better myself and improve my chances of doing well on the stage in the future? So that's brilliant. That's a really cool idea. I like that. Um, And you touched also briefly there on um, young guys and girls coming to you asking about how you got into the industry and and how you started up your personal training business, which obviously you're not doing now. You're doing online coaching. Um, Sure. But that's a good segue into obviously yourself being successful as a young athlete on the the bodybuilding scene. Um, But where would you kind of um, deter people from potentially stepping on stage as a young athlete is there a situation where you might say that's not a good idea i would maybe give it some time have you ever come across that yourself
2: sure i mean looking back and in hindsight i'd say that i i've learned a lot over my years of competing and i did two years as a teenager so i did 2014 2015 as a team and i think that i i put a lot of weight in the experience that i gained out of doing those two years because I think a lot of people, like especially now in bodybuilding, they're either at two ends of the scale. They jump on stage too soon, or they set this enormous goal, so they feel like they can never compete until mm-hmm. they're quite ready. So they're like, "I want to be a pro when I compete." Like, yes, like you could essentially build the muscle mass needed to be a athlete that steps on potentially a stage and, and wins everything and gets a pro card. Mm-hmm. But you. You know, as well, like from competing, like a lot of the day itself is like you're still essentially performing, yes, right. and you're still going there to, to do something. Like, you have to pose mm. and you have to like remain calm and you have to sort of like know what to do backstage and you have to know what to do with your tan and you have to know like how to shave and not get huge shaving burns like i did <laughs> the first time i did it yeah and i could barely i could barely hit a front of bicep without my arm tearing off because i tore loads of skin underneath my arm from shaving <laughs> you like you, 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 you learn these kind of stupid things yeah. when you do your first preps and so i put a lot of weight in in the lessons that i learned and the experience but at the same time i'd say that if you're a teenager And you really were looking to compete, I'd say, you know, at least have a good one to two years of of passionate training behind you. Mm. And what I mean by that is, like, you should be getting into the gym and you should be, like, never missing sessions. Like, Mm. unless obviously there's a legitimate reason why you miss a session, because, like, there's probably reasons why we miss sessions now, which is fair enough. But a lot of the people that I talk to, they're like, oh, I'm not really motivated at the moment. I need a goal. I might do a bodybuilding show. I'm like, no.
0: That's the problem. No.
2: Yeah, the the bodybuilding show shouldn't be your motivating factor at all because that's going to when the going gets tough you will not train. Mm-hmm. Like did I want to go and squat 165 for 10 so There's no. Like I didn't really want to go and do it, but as soon as I got there, I loved it. because I'm passionate about the gym. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the sessions. Um but it's that it's having that motivation to get there and do it when you're tired or run down, you're lean and, and you, you 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 start to really kind of get anxious about your sessions mm-hmm. um so the passion has got to be built over the first you know the foundations of training and then and then from there i think you know competing as a teenager or competing as a young guy or girl like you should maybe look to do it just at like the top end of the bracket mm-hmm. so like as a teenager go in as your last year and, and like 19 years old and then you'll stand the best chance because what, what like if you really want to win you really want to do well you've got to look at the factors like in a middleweight or a heavyweight category, it's like if you're 16 and you're stepping up against 19 years old, it's like it's, it's like a middle a guy who should be a middleweight going into the heavyweights. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. So you have to sort of like view yourself in a in an objective way and think, okay, like where am I going to be best competitive? Yeah. And for me, like I competed as my sort of second to last year as a team. And then, you know, I thought there's more I want to have as a teenager. I want to win a regional show as a teenager. And I did go back and I won, you know, a, I won a teen show. I won an under-21 show. Um, and I did pretty well at, you know, the the British finals as well with, with, with both of those federations, which which was good. And that was very rewarding for me and actually filled me with bags of confidence for this year. So I know what it's like to win. I know what, it, I know what that feels like. And I kind of want to feel like that again. I'm not mm. going to lie. Mm. And it gives you that... Burning desire to, to to be the best and to and to beat beat other people because essentially that's you know what bodybuilding is, is about if you are competing against others you know whilst a lot of people do say that are you chasing your best version of yourself it, it, a lot of it is about like there's six other guys on the, on that stage and you know I actually genuinely do want to win mm-hmm. um, as much as I want to be the best version of myself like I still want to compete and I want to win and so. That that's why I sort of I took a whole year out and then I'm coming back as a junior. You know I could look at coming back as a junior and in the year after or, or you know potentially even in some federations I could come back the year after that. But I had a lot of signs that at the end of last year that I wanted to come back and I think that you've you, you've got to give your body the time to grow and when you do have productive off seasons, capitalize on them and then diet down and just like. You know, empty the tank and then get back to gaming mm. and, and make another productive off season. That's what I see bodybuilding as. Like, you empty the tank and then you get back and make the most productive of off seasons. Um, so, yeah, to answer the question, I think, you know, yeah, like there's both sides of things. People wait too long. And people step on stage too soon. But that's yeah. my personal experience of things. So
0: how long had you been sort of training consistently before you entered in your first show? I've seen the photos from your first show and you had a, a good deal of muscle mass for someone who was only sort of 18, 19 at the time. So yeah. how long had you been?
2: I mean, that's, that, that, that's a funny story. So I think, you know, I'd been training for a good two years before I had my first sort of good year of training. So... I used to race carts. I used to be in, like, heavily involved in motorsport, and for that, I did an element of weight training because I've always been someone that like I I sometimes, as much as some of his content is a bit confusing, and he comes across as someone that just gets injured. I kind of like Lay Norton a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I I've always been someone that like I like the idea of outworking people, and I know that it sounds cringy, and I know that. I've just watched a video of him squatting, and he, yeah, like he's morning. on his comeback, and he, all the comments, all the comments in the YouTube section are hate, saying you, you're you're horribly
0: cringy. And he's
2: like six hundred
1: pounds, and I'm like,
2: oh god, like it does actually look a bit
0: cringy. Yeah. But well, the guy's got a record, is, so at the end of the yeah, day, yeah, you, know, you can't be really that down.
2: Yeah, at the same time, I couldn't really give a damn because it is it is quite cool. Um, so I've always been someone that like I just want to be the best version of myself, essentially. So, with the motorsport, I just wanted to be, because my, it, motorsport, for those that don't know, is, is very money relative. So, mm. it, 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 it's crazy how much it costs to even race carts. It's just disgusting. So, the, 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 the money didn't, wasn't really there for us to, like, match the potential equipment or the amount of track time that other people would get it. Uh, my competitors so I thought okay well what can I do to maximize me that's going to promote best like best racer on track so I was like right I'm just going to hammer my fitness I'm going to do absolutely everything possible to be the fittest guy like there's not like there's no one that's going to be fitter than me and there's no one that's going to like like some people would flag at the end of the day and you know things like in carting your your neck like your traps yeah uh, your forearms and actually like um, just general like core control because you're being thrown about like mad in the seat. Mm. Like loads of people would flag and their performance would dip like later on into into the sort of the races. So I would never be like that. Like I'd always step out fresh. And then you get people who just are just on the beer and the bacon butties all weekend. <laughs> They'd step out from like the final race. They'd be drenched in sweat, like, like huffing and puffing and tired and run down and i'd be one of the fittest guys there um so that's something that i massively invested myself in um and i i i got i got quite obsessed with weight training as a result i built a bit of muscle i found that like i was because i was very lean at the time i was super lean like really really lean because i was racing and i just wanted to be light and i wanted to be on my feet and i loved that and i loved the i kind of like the way that i looked. so i was vascular. i had abs you know I got attention from girls and things like that when I was when I was sort of in this shredded state. And then I just thought, you know, well, once I finish karting, I'll just invest in, like, gaining muscle, gaining strength. And that's realistically how I started my first sort of proper years of training where, I'd yeah you know, I'd go and it would be bro splits. It would be taking everything to fail. I'd just be training super, super hard. Eating enough protein and yeah, I got like super fat as well. I got heavier. I got heavier than I got this last off season. In, <laughs> I think like, we've
0: all been there, mate. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in twenty in like twenty thirteen with less way less muscle. Yeah. So um, that was that was equally as fun. Not as fun on my stomach, but pretty pretty fun to just be like throwing around throwing around weights and and just training hard. Like that's what I loved, and I've always <laughs> loved that. So. So yeah, I guess essentially before I first dieted down, I had a good two years, good two years of training, and some of that was being very skinny, and some of that was perma bulking. Mm-hmm. If it, in, in hindsight, if I was, if I came to, if, if I had a lad my age come to me at the point that I started my prep, I'd have said probably no. I'd have said probably it's not a good idea. Let's do a mini mm-hmm. cut to see how you look at the end of that, and let's go from there. Yeah. Um, but. Like I said, it taught me a
1: lot, taught me a lot for sure. Yeah, Adam and I were talking recently about um, young guys who who have views or goals to compete in bodybuilding or physique sports, or whatever it might be. And yes. you just talk about taking taking advantage of that momentum that you have as a young lifter, progressing yes. weeks from mesocycle to mesocycle and just, you know, really having that momentum and capitalising on that. And so that's there's definitely a place for that. Um, but what would you say... You know, is the kind of the biggest learning curve or the the biggest change that you've made from the way that you prep from sh- from p- perhaps your last competitive season to this one. Mm, that's a good question. I think
2: the last competitive season, obviously, the the main external thing that was going on was the stress, which I've mentioned. Yeah. The other things that I've done differently this time is, I think I've part. A disgusting amount of weight in retaining my training performance. Mm-hmm. Like, absurd. I'm obsessed with not losing my strength. And I think a lot of the time, you know, when I was, it, it, it's highly correlative with the people that I have followed mm. and the lessons that I've learned from watching what is potentially possible. And also what I've looked at in my own clients. So I had a client called Andrew who got super peeled and did the BNBF qualifier body power that guy did not lose strength at all until like two two weeks out mm-hmm. in fact even a move like an incline barbell press he was progressing that up until like two three weeks out and, actually, and i was just if, like
1: and if you probably think relative to, to body weight he, he may have improved. actually even but increased strength yeah
2: well, well yeah massively he was retaining if not gaining some strength and i just thought what well, what well, wow like that shows that some of this programming is probably making sense, mm-hmm. and it also yes. shows that also shows that that's possible, and that's something that can be done. And the last time I prepped, all I was surrounded by was "you're going to lose strength," yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I put in my that I put out in my head, and I just accepted it, which is fine. So I think from a mental point of view, this time I've. I've put more pressure on myself which has been bad when I've had bad sessions Mm -hmm. because I've killed myself for it and I'm like you should not lose strength kind of thing but when I was in 2015 I'd accept it more but I wouldn't I wouldn't chase to hold on to it and also in 2015 I had this like perma vision of I just need to be as peeled as possible and I got peeled like I was peeled but Towards the end, I sacrificed so much tissue mm-hmm. because all I all I cared about was how low I could get my scale weight. Genuinely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I cared about. How low can I get it? And now I'm about fifteen pounds heavier than my lowest ever, uh, is sort of um contest prep weigh in in 2015. So you know, whilst I have built probably a significant amount of muscle. I think that I've probably retained a significant amount more. Also, so it's yeah. a very, very fresh combination that, um, and, and it's pretty cool to see. So I think the main thing is I've just become obsessed with really retaining my performance as much as I can, mm-hmm. and learning how to maximize my variables in order to do so. And that that that's really surrounding you know my stress control, my sleep, my sort of my meal timing, my nutrient timing, and just making sure that I I, I, I literally want to be like Jay Cutler. Like, I just want to, <laughs> like, it's, if I could just sit, eat, and train or, or as much of that as possible, mm-hmm. then I'd do it. Um. Obviously, I've got a business to run at the same time, but to be honest, I, I, I see that as something that actually just fits into my day perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But I am... Um, I'm 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 trying to be as close to Jake Cutler as possible in the way that I do things because it's it's like if 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 you can do that why not?
1: Like are you that's gonna what are I you gonna get myself. the frost tips on your get the little yeah. blonde frost tips coming through? That'd be sweet. Man. Oh
2: yeah, no, I really should do that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like that's that's realistically what I've changed. It's just being a like being a bodybuilder and just mm-hmm. trying to be a bodybuilder as much as I can. That's the main change.
0: I think it's interesting to to hear you speak about um, kind of nutrient timing as well there because when it comes to being a bodybuilder and the whole point is, is you, you need to preserve as much lean muscle tissue as possible when you step on stage rather than just getting as shredded as possible. That's kind of what separates a bodybuilder from someone who's just looking to get, let's say, lean for the beach um, or someone who's just looking to lose weight in general is you do need to keep that tissue. And do you think that's a time when, you know, nutrient timing does take on sort of greater importance?
2: Yeah, as you get leaner, the prevalence increases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your 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 training performance is going to be highly indicated or highly uh, influenced, shall I say, by the meals that you eat around it. And that that's that's not due to anything sort of special or, or weird. It's just primarily because are you fueled or are you not? Mm-hmm. And you're not fueled for a very long time when you're in a calorie deficit. Like for the for the most part of the day, like you you will For the the entire day, you're under eating. So if you can maximize a window of time by putting in some carbohydrates and feeling a little bit better and fueling that session, then you're going to have a better session, like just guaranteed. Mm. And that's why, you know, and I don't know whether we'll touch on this, but I'm a huge advocate of single-day refeeds. And a lot of people aren't um, because the the literature will suggest that things like leptin and ghrelin, don't get influenced they don't like they like realistically they don't and we're not going to have a a positive influence on the physiological effects of dieting or diet fatigue or anything like that with a single day refeed not necessarily and so that's why people started sort of saying oh the science says that you shouldn't really have them so let's just cut them out and every time i have had a refeed two or three days great training performance Mm -hmm. all the time
0: I think, as much Why? as anything, oh, so more so, carbohydrates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, as much as anything, as well, is that that psychological benefit. Obviously, you know, you know, we've all had days when we get in the gym, we feel great, and our performance, you know, will sometimes show that. You know, we'll have big yeah. increases in strength, and mm. out, having a day of you know a larger proportion of eating, perhaps you know, carbohydrate, obviously. Um, you do find that you think psychologically, okay, I've got more fuel, I've got more here to push with. And yeah. you know, it's always going to have a knock-on effect of, of helping improve training performance, even if it's not having a physiological impact so much. I agree. I agree. What we uh, were kind of thinking about as well is obviously uh, in terms of like pressures that young lifters face with social media these days, obviously you've got a really good following across all your social media platforms. You're obviously very... Um, Uh, very consistent with with how much content that you do put out there and things. But do you think there's obviously a a, a much larger pressure with, I mean, how predominant, obviously, uh, prominent social media is these days as a younger lifter? I know when I was younger, there was no such thing as Instagram when I first started training. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing I saw um, in terms of uh, kind of, I guess, uh, it in the media was just in like Flex magazine and Mm -hmm. things like that. And that seemed so far away in advance that, for me, it wasn't really a pressure. However, it's much different now, where it's kind of... you only got to switch your phone on, and you're kind of bombarded with it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think it's only a good thing, guys. Uh, I think that the, the advancement of social media and the... I mean, look at it. Like... Would we would we be doing this mm. if we didn't have the advancement of social media? Yeah, sure. Would would be would we have like income coming in every single month? Like every I I always sort of it's funny. Like my grandparents, I'll tell them what I do for a living, and <laughs> sometimes like my for example, like my um my grandpa my, on my dad's side, like he's he's like kind of nosy with regards to like financial kind of things. And, I, and I'll tell him sort of like how I'm doing because he's very intrigued. And he's just like blown away by the fact that a 21 year old can do that mm. out, just all online, mm. just all online. And when I, I remember like sort of like telling people that I was just, le- I was going to leave where I was PTing. And guys, where I was PTing, I was, I was set up very nicely. It was a great little studio. There's still a great little studio called The Performance Project, they're awesome. But I, it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to go anymore. And when I left there, like, I was, uh, like, there wasn't obviously an element of, I was a bit scared. There was, there was like, a bit of self-doubt. But I, I just knew that I could do it. And I knew that the advancement of how much my business was growing was, was clearly showing me that I could do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's one of the main reasons that I love social media is it's literally given me the opportunity to do what I love for a living. And I, I would, you know, I'd never change that. And But when you sort of mention the pressures, I, I do see that. I definitely see that. And uh, I'm lucky in the sense that, and I know this was one of your other questions, but I'm lucky in the sense that I've never really dealt with much hate I really haven't. Mm. In fact, in fact, I actually um actually I actually think I've been whether it's because I'm blind to it because when I was younger I got I got probably bullied quite a decent amount. I got sort of messed about quite a decent amount at secondary schools and things like that for various reasons. So whether it's because I've dealt with like decent levels of constant issues and constant basically dickheads whether I've dealt with that enough so that now I'm very sort of I'm quite blind to the minutiae of social media bullying and bad comments. Mm. Whether I'm blind to that, I don't know, but I don't think I am, especially with the sort of the prep brain that I've got at the moment, where I'm arro well, I'm not arrogant. Where I'm sort of like <laughs> um, really irritable to yeah. everything. So, like, you know, if if I get a hateful comment, I'll probably more you likely notice, notice it, it at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, um i I do think that you know the main thing that's the issue guys with social media is is more so the younger generation is it is people literally just getting confused like way too confused, I think we talked about this ollie like just the the concepts that are out there are new and like they're they're coming out and getting proven in research and there's lots of people putting their own stamp on things. I think what I'd love more teenagers to be doing or more young people to be doing is really just bringing things back to basics, mm-hmm. just, just just, really just really nailing just the, the basics of nutrition with regards to hitting their protein intake and hitting an overall calorie target mm-hmm. and going into the gym and just really just loving it mm-hmm. because the amount of times I see people just actually falling out of love with training and nutrition because they've confused themselves is is. is unheard of mm. and I think that that's only going to get worse That's only going to get worse over time. The more the more people that put out confusing content that's obviously contradictive to this contradictive to that is is, is only going to get bigger and the, the way that we can work around this is is we as content providers can look at the the things that are coming out and we can essentially simplify mm-hmm. and we can sort of like give our advice and and for me with a younger audience like I always double think I always double and even triple think about what I post because I'm like if, if if I post this and it's just confusing it makes no sense and I talk talk 20 minutes a, or like I talk I have a huge caption on like Metabolite training and, and how you can Program it in and you know whilst that's great And that re- that reaches a great audience In terms of like getting my contest prep af- Athletes inborn, on board and like Informed it's also kind of Annoying for that 16 year old mm-hmm. That all he does that All he needs to do is train and like If he takes a leg press to to to, to failure and he takes short rest periods well guess what he's doing some metabolite training Mm -hmm. but he doesn't really know how to like he doesn't really know that he's doing it Mm -hmm. he's just doing it because he he wants to tear up his quads and that's what i was doing when i was like 16 17 um so i think more people should like just take a chill pill and realize that you know you can get great results without being balls deep in every literature and every research study when you're like 15 mm. years old Yeah, like come on, like stop that well, <laughs> I, I, love,
1: I love how um, kind of consciously aware of the kind of content that you put out you are um, because as what you would be considered an influencer you know, um, there's a lot of people watching what you do and the content that you put out and you are very consciously aware of what content you're putting out and that's fantastic because it is a bit of a double, double-edged sword in that you know there's some awesome information out there but it can be a case of you know paralysis by analysis there's Mm -hmm. so much and it's like it just becomes absolutely overwhelming when when you rightly say that you just need to get the basics and the fundamentals right so it's really refreshing to hear you say that you you think about the post that you're putting out and how that's going to be received on the other end
2: Mm. yeah yeah
1: i mean final point on that is that you know
2: someone that I learned a lot from with regards to social media and I, I think he's probably in my, I've followed him a bit less now because a lot of his content to me seems quite repetitive now, which is unfortunate, but Gary V is like someone mm-hmm. that, I've, that, that I've followed like for a long time in terms of how to produce content um, and, and obviously how to invest in social media and you know, he, he essentially is big on playing to your strengths he did this one like short clip and like sort of like play to your strengths and and not give a fuck about what you suck at and that stuck with me for a long time so I was like I'm going to find things that I do really well at and I'm not going to do th- I'm not going to give a crap about things that I suck at I've written about five blog posts in my entire time coaching and why I hate blog posts I hate them I can write a decent blog post but I don't like doing it mm mm-hmm. But what I do like doing is getting a, get, getting a camera going to my lounge, doing a point-and-shoot 10-minute video. And my YouTube channel's grown twofold as a result because I've just put out daily ones of those. They're easy. They're efficient to film. People tell me constantly how – this is turning into a social media chat, but people yeah. tell me constantly how they don't have enough time to record YouTube videos and edit them. takes me about 30 minutes total to film that, put it into iMovie, and upload it. Mm. That's it. That's it, half an hour of my time if you 've not got half an hour of your time when you 're watching Love Island in the evening, then mate you're, you, you shouldn't like, you shouldn't be even having a YouTube channel mm-hmm. in my opinion so i've i've just been and from the Gary Vee front as well i've been very self aware from the start um, in terms of what content I want to put out and then how how I want my audience to receive it and uh, alongside that you know just not not really caring too much about the numbers game but focusing on like just making sure that the instead of looking at numbers i'm looking more at engagement mm-hmm. i'm looking at what's coming across via dm and i'm looking at the comment section rather than the likes you know i think that breeds more importance and shows me who, who i'm reaching which is ultimately younger guys at the moment that i'm sort
0: of like tapping into I think as well is um, it shows the importance of your you know your kind of filter bubble in terms of when you're following people if if you're you know just kind of making sure that the information you're giving is is simple but obviously is proven it's the right things you're talking about more the principles than the methods themselves and you're able to actually just you know kind of narrow it down to just a very small range of of um, I guess kind of sources you're getting your info from I mean the big thing Mm. now is there's just info from everywhere and most of it you know a lot of it will contradict each other um despite the fact that there might be something that proves one thing and then something that prove you know doesn't prove another thing but then the underlying principles you know are always going to be there they're always going to be in place and those are usually generally the simplest things you know you, you go into the gym and you just get better over time and i think this is the thing that when we were all younger and first started lifting is you know i didn't follow anyone in the fitness industry i just knew that i wanted to Bench a little bit more next week than I mm. I benched last week, you know.
1: So much more intuitive. <laughs> exactly, like. yeah. You know,
2: Same, yeah, yeah. I love the intuitive side of things. I think that's something that you know you you should just heavily invest yourself in that at the start because that's going to set you up for such greater success. When you, you have to weigh a cucumber, yeah. you know, like you you're not going to want to do that for the rest of your life. Mm. Like if you're 15 and weighing a cucumber, and you're a, you're, you're a, and, and you're in an a massing phase, like you need to sort your shit out.
0: Mate, hey, it was it was uh, it was McDonald's. That was that was bulking food when I was there. I don't know about weighing cucumbers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I when I was when
2: I was in that sort of that that bulking phase of like one of my funny stories was like I, when I was working at Sainsbury's, I'd have. Like one or two mass gainers in shakes and i'd bring them down to my till and i'd literally have them on my till i'd be sedentary at the till drinking uh, <laughs> drinking drink a 1250 calorie
1: mass gainer shake yeah gains though yeah, so, yeah was, that's, um, that's probably a pretty good segue in, into the kind of last uh, question that we'd like to ask sure, you, just, sure to, just to end on a bit of humor um, what's kind of some of your funniest or in hindsight kind of laughable mistakes that you might have made in previous preps or things that mm. you've just kind of bought into as a young lifter what What can you look back on in hindsight and laugh at now yeah
2: i th- I think you know one of the biggest mistakes is probably actually a take home for some of the listeners if there's any young guys out there is that you know I just used to listen to the biggest guy in the gym, like you know whoever was the biggest brute. I I take all the advice from, and it would be you know the the g- generic sort of you know bro split this, eat eat your protein and just make sure you know that you're you're getting stronger, which was essentially good advice at the start. But you know to get to get further on and to to produce a more optimal result, I had to listen to a coach that sort of knew a little bit more about evidence based training. And obviously, as I got into a contest prep, which was a serious thing, I had to take things more seriously and. And when I started following upper-lower splits, I can remember so so many of the bros coming in and, like, asking me what the fuck I was doing and, mm. like, why are you training like that? You're not isolating the muscle. You're not sort of bringing out the detail with that kind of split. And I was... <sighs> because you're not, like, targeting the rhomboid with enough pulling movements. And, <laughs> fuck. And it was just like a nightmare trying to rationalise things like that. So I think, you know... This is this is actually, you know, it might sound contradictive, but when you are like when you are that young person and like you know, you are like obviously enjoying your training and you want to learn more, tr- like try to learn more because essentially if you if you go in, you know, you're following you're following a split that you enjoy, which is obviously what we talked about, like you should be able to say to the gym brute, Oh, this is why I'm following a upper lower split because like, I take into account my frequency, Mm. and I didn't know that, I didn't have a clue, all I had a clue was my coach was telling me to run an upper lower split, so, yeah, I think taking advice from, like, the biggest brute guys was probably one of my initial mistakes, Um, and then, I don't know, like, following that, I think I had some funny, like, funny times with flexible dieting. Basically, I got like as soon as I got introduced to flexible dieting, I was like, "Wow, what a free for all!" Yeah, and yes. I just eat categorically shit. And I think that that was the best way to get results. And I probably made my first prep absolutely horrendous for myself because I it would literally be a case of how much crap can I fit in my mm, diet. Mm, yeah. and I I made that prep so unbearable because. I'd be fitting in calorie-dense foods all the time, and I'd be starving. And I wouldn't realize that. I just didn't realize what satiety was, didn't realize what food volume was. Now, if you look at my diet comparative to where I first found flexible dieting, I'm back to being a bro. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like, I, I, I like my bro foods. They're filling. They give me good satiety. They're consistent. And that's what I enjoyed doing. I've I never, I never changed that for, for the world in terms of dieting. So yeah, I it, my my top two things would be like, you know, listening to the listening to that biggest guy and just actually trying to learn from the people that that do that that the, do the things that mm-hmm. you need to do correctly to obviously gain muscle or lose fat and um, and then yeah, yeah, like I said, you know, just uh, just sort of not really following the flexible dieting rule book and throwing that out the window. Um, yeah. Other other things like like prep wise, I've done all the things that everyone else does. Like just get into really weird OCD habits with food. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be open and honest. Like every prep that I've done, I've got like food focused. Yeah. You are, yeah,
0: like you always do. You kind of can't so, I, can't avoid it. Yeah, at the end of the day.
2: like you know, like take my off season for example. Like I love dark chocolate, right? In my off season, I'll sit down, I'll have a meal, and like pre-workout, I might have a couple of squares of dark chocolate. Right? In my off-season, all I do is I break two squares into two squares and I just eat them. Mm. Now I break two squares into about 16 different pieces. I cut, I cut them up evenly and I eat them one by one in the slowest fashion possible. Like literally, like literally, sort of like sucking on each piece of dark chocolate and making it last as long as possible. So that 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 is not normal that's not really a normal thing obviously there's way worse things you should be doing Um, so that and then another thing I did in 2015 was started doing all that bikini girl stuff where you put courgette in your oats and luckily (laughs) I haven't got got to that point yet because I think it's shit yeah. I don't care how much you say in your Instagram post, you can't taste the courgettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bollocks, you're putting a courgette in oats. It's Z- disgusting. It's, I've, seen, are not put, thing. I've seen people put carrot in as well. Like, what the hell is that yeah. about? Yeah. Just eat oats. I just save calories for a huge bowl now. and I just eat less carbs throughout the day. I have bikini, bikini prep throughout the day and then I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder at evenings.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, if you can bracket your days with a big bowl of oats I
1: think you're going to do all right in that middle like portion Mm. yes massively cool well well, brilliant it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on AJ so um thanks very much and we're wishing you the best of luck with your final two and a half weeks for this first competition and of course the rest of your season so um we'll be keeping our eye on you and wishing you all the best so thanks again mate cheers for your time mate
2: no amazing guys you know thanks for having me and uh you know, if anyone wants to sort of catch me elsewhere, then follow. Give me a follow. Give me a bump on Instagram, and give give my YouTube channel a follow as well. You can just find me by AJ Morris on both of those. And uh, obviously, I, I put out content daily, like Ollie says. And I'm sure that he'll potentially, if if this goes up on YouTube or if this goes up on the podcast, maybe leave links somewhere for those. Yeah, sure, we will. Um, yeah, of course we will. But yeah, thank you guys for having me. And uh, I'll chat to you soon. That's Cheers for time, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to Team No Cavs Radio. Remember, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, progressive overload, and boom, anything is possible.